Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement. Well, today uh, I am here with Andrew Johnson, Associate Pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas, and I am Matt Selby, Pastor of Restoration Church in the Chicago suburbs. Michael is currently traveling uh, globally right now. We are trying to get him on, but uh, this wasn't going to happen for us today. But either way, we today are coming to you for a brief podcast update to talk about how we live on mission and the implications of uh, coronavirus that is currently sweeping the globe right now. And of course, it's affecting a lot of us here in the West, uh, specifically in America right now. And uh, if you happen to catch it already on our blog, um, posted just within uh, the last 24, 48 hours, uh, we also had a, uh, a post uh, authored by myself um, just regarding to just the call to the church. And Andrew, um, I think you are, uh, if you can tell from our microphones too, we're kind of uh, coming to you in in different way, and we're kind of in our underground bunkers at home right now. <laughs> yeah, you where where are you where are you at right now? Well, I'm at the house, and uh, we have been for the past few days. Um, yesterday, we had all of these grand plans. So this past week was our kids' spring break, and uh, here in Houston on Thursdays. It is a uh, free museum day. And so all of the museums are free and they, and they, they change their hours a little bit to the free hours, but we had already essentially planned Thursday's going to be museum day. It's going to be awesome. We're going to hit all of them. And we got to yesterday morning and we were like, this seems foolhardy. Maybe we shouldn't hit all of the museums where all of the people are gathered and <laughs> handling everything. And we have no idea. And so we opted to not do fun. So uh, here at the house, we're chilling. Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, I, it, obviously this is a new story that is um, changing rapidly. Um, if you've been kind of keeping an eye on the news or listening and reading and seeing your news feeds, whether it be on Facebook or Twitter or wherever it is, just uh, wherever it is that you get your news. And uh, clearly there has been uh, just a lot of uh, misinformation, but also a lot of good information out there right now as to the implications. And I know that, uh, you know, Andrew, we've been keeping an eye on and a lot of what's been going to churches and the church world and how the church is trying to respond, both proactively, but also in some ways reactively to what is going to be the new normal and what should we expect and uh, how do we care for our own uh, congregants? Uh, what are the decisions that you guys have been making at Neartown in Houston? Well, this thing is, is absolutely still on the fly. Um, the joke that we said yesterday is that we all keep making decisions and then the next hour, some new piece of information is made that completely alters everything that we just said was our decision. Um, and so when are we posting this? Are we actually going to post this on Friday? Cause if we are, this is, <laughs> I don't think anybody at near town is actively, uh, waiting, uh, with bated breath to listen to this podcast. If so, it'll be new information, uh, to everybody who's listening. And, uh, we'll, we'll try to communicate to church tomorrow, Saturday for the reason that things keep changing every hour and we didn't want to keep communicating everybody saying okay we need to pay attention to this one announcement and by that i mean pay attention to this new announcement and then keep changing it every hour so what has happened is that uh in the intervening uh days 
the very first thing that changed here in Houston was the Houston or the Rodeo Houston shut down. And that is a massive global event where everybody comes from all over the world for the livestock and rodeo show. And uh, as silly as that sounds for anybody who is a city folk and think that's you're coming to look at cows, um, like literally people from all over the world come to uh, purchase uh, cows and horses and, and animals and livestock and, and, uh, as well as just to have a fantastic time, tons of concerts. And when rodeo Houston communicated earlier this week, we are shutting down for the duration of our run because it's just not worth it. We thought if they're shutting down, then that means this is starting. It's going to come here too. So what we think at this recording I was just notified literally as I was coming on to record. We're pretty sure that the mayor is going to institute a ban today of large gatherings, even meeting here in Houston. So what we thought was going to come is now happening, which is going to necessitate all church gatherings to either not happen or go online. And so, um, on our end, we as the Neartown Church leadership are trying to scramble and see what we will do Sunday. Our initial plan was that we were going to do a live stream of an audienceless uh, service from our meeting location. If the mayor institutes this and the place where we meet shuts down, <laughs> then we don't have access to all of that. So we're still trying to figure out what's happening this Sunday. But what we do know is that the place where we normally meet is going to be shut down uh, for the rest of the month. So, so, uh, so we're going to be, we're going to be shut down for the rest of March. Um, as far as an inability to meet in our space. And so, so some of the, the hilarity of this is what we have talked about on a physiology, um, the, the church uh, getting outside of their walls, the church not trying to see themselves solely as a Sunday morning institution, the church trying to lean on uh what Christ has actually done in and through us and sending us out into the community uh, Monday to Sunday. Um, that is now our reality. Um, it, it doesn't really seem that uh, due to this, that we have had really an option uh, anymore. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of weird. And it's going, to be, it's going to be so odd having the church go from uh, it's a good idea to get outside your walls as an addition to your ministry to be your church needs to go out into the community and meet together in homes because that's all you've got. Um, and that's essentially that's where we are. And, and again, this is God willing, this is only like going to be a three to four week ordeal. But who knows? 
So, Andrew, one of the things that, uh, as of, again, as of this recording, uh, last night, this would be now Thursday, um, uh, what is this, uh, today's, the, today's Friday, March 13th, so yesterday, Thursday, March 12th, the governor of Illinois uh, stated that any gathering of 1,000 people or more was mandatory, needed to be closed, it could not take place. So mm-hmm. immediately, that has implications for churches that actually have worship center seatings of 1,000 or more. Um, which, uh, you know, so already there's implications. And then there was further guidance and recommendations for those of gatherings of 250 or more right. up to the thousand were to recommend. They were strongly recommending you don't meet, you don't gather. Now that's a huge chunk of, of population. Yeah, that's a whole lot more churches. That's a lot more churches. And so what's interesting is that came out late yesterday. So I have yet to see um, actually a lot of churches, at least from the ones that I follow on social media, haven't seen a lot of them kind of reacting quite yet to that news. I think they're trying to figure out if they can still meet or not. Um, you know, and I think one of the things that I've been listening to, and I think is helpful for us to be kind of, kind of leading into, and this is kind of where I wanted to speak into it with my blog post this week is, you know, it is good. We do need to force, we cannot, we should not forsake the gathering of the saints. And we do need to find ways to continue to gather and meet together. Yet at the same time, we also can see this as a greater opportunity for us as the church. And, um, and so, if we're spinning our wheels on how do we just figure out ways to continue to keep the program going, I think we might be asking some of the wrong questions. Um, but rather, what is it that we can do in this moment, knowing that this is going to be a temporary moment, even if it lasts a month? Uh, what will this look like for us as the church and the church body? And, um, and granted, granted, there are logistical issues, and people want to see each other. People want to be comforted by one another. People want to, especially in a time where this, this feels scary. Um, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be scary. Um, it's, it's really not that fearful. Um, you know, we, we can, but at the same time, we have to come to terms with the reality of, of what this is. And, um, which I think is something that has been maybe not very well communicated to us, uh, and has been very well made known to us until really within within this week as things started really heating up. I think it's a, it's an, it's a weird ordeal and I'm only using, and I only want to talk about Rudy, Rudy Gobert for a moment, I just feel bad for the guy. Um, Rudy Gobert is a professional basketball player for the Utah Jazz. And, oops, sorry guys, I'm sitting next to the clock. So what I'm saying is I feel bad for Rudy Gobert. He is a professional basketball player for the Utah Jazz. And the NBA teams had started telling their players, uh, you know, you need to be because we don't know the the threat of the well, we know about the threat of the coronavirus, but we don't know about the impact of how easily it can be spread. Uh, we need to be considerate of one another's. And so they had told their players, like you guys, like essentially don't interact face to face, don't handshake anybody who is like outside of your team. Um, that even includes like don't don't touch the the microphones. Don't touch the equipment that other people are going to be touching because you don't know. And Rudy Gobert, and I think probably shared the same sentiment from a lot of NBA players that thought this is overkill. This is ridiculous. I can't believe they're doing this. And so he intentionally went around and started like handling all the mics and like kind of like, ha, 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 look at me. I'm touching everything. Uh, Isn't this funny? because this is all overkill. Well, he was the first NBA player to be uh, diagnosed with coronavirus. 
and now one of his teammates has it too. Um, and, and obviously him touching all of the mics and all of that was on camera and it just looks like he is just so careless. And, uh, and he's like, apologized profusely. And he was like, I just, I didn't think it was this serious. And I think that's kind of where a lot of us as the church are, um, especially for us young strapping folks like you and I, Matt, um, that we feel that we are fine and that we feel our immune systems are going to be good. And, uh, but even if we are young and we are strapping and we are fine, uh, if our immune systems are good, there is a concern for those who are not like us. There are concern for those who are elderly. There are concern for those whose immune systems are in a weakened state. So it doesn't really matter how A-OK I think I am. Part of the deal as the church, we need to be considerate of those who are the weakest among us, um, who are susceptible. And we can't just go say, well, we're fine. Let's just go and hang out with each other because we also need to consider those who are weak and uh, could get sick, even though we're not getting sick. Yeah. And I, I think that's what is sometimes just uh, hard for us. I think it's the church and we, we want to continue to have hope and trust in that um, we can pray our way out of this. We can pray, um, you know, for healing and, and, uh, and safety for us all. And uh, that's, I think, very legitimate. And uh, I think that we should not forsake prayer um, in times like this. Yet we should also just be very um, mindful uh, this is a yeah. this is a mathematical equation, is what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that God's not above it. Doesn't mean that God can't um, do uh, and protect the mass populations. But this is truly a mathematical equation. Just like it takes math to get an airplane in the sky or or a, um, a rocket ship into space. Um, the, this is a mathematical equation for us. And I think we we should just be able to look at this and go, listen. There's a reality of those who will be affected by this. And this is what it looks like for us to stand between darkness and light. This is the, the brutal fallenness of the world before us is um, uh, as of illness of this kind. And we have this opportunity to stand there and to bring light, even when we have to make some corporate decisions. And, you know, and so that's a very difficult thing. So, um, so I think that's a, kind of a difficult uh, place for us to be at is, is recognizing that tension that exists. Um, mm-hmm. And so for us, we're trying to, um, you know, figure out and navigate these new waters. I mean, we don't live in uh, totalitarian states. We don't live in states that, um, re- that can just turn a switch and have us all stay home and shut down major economies. And we don't, we don't operate that way. That's not a part of our worldview. That's not, how we as Americans tend to have built our lives. We're very independent, free people. And suddenly you're telling me that a virus is going to, is going to impede my daily life. I mean, you're going to tell me that my, my children are going to have to stay home from school for weeks on end. Um, yeah. Is, is very disruptive and very uh, unnerving to us. And yet these are the opportunities for us as the church to say, this is what it means to live as part of the world, but we, we, we serve a greater King. We have a greater kingdom. And uh, we can operate in this. And this is how Christianity is spreading across other parts of the world in situations like this. 
I believe that the very, I mean, this is me thinking logically, um, step by step. I think what you touched on is the, the first thing, and that is that Christians really need, the very first step is to assume we have an issue with fear that we have to deal with. And that's step one, coming to Christ and at least kind of submitting that to him, putting that at his feet and saying, I, I have this bit of fear. I have this bit of like, I am now out of control and I need you to bring me peace in this because all the rest of it, then if we don't come to Christ and see him as the, is the conquering King as the, as the capable leader, as the loving God, if we don't do that, then any of our actions as the church are probably going to come out as shoulds. Like we're not doing it out of love. We're doing it because our pastors told us to. We're, be, we're doing it because Matt was a really good salesman and uh, he made me feel bad about a cause. So I joined in, but it was not out of my identity. It was out of, out, out of wanting to do to please and so we are going to need to figure out first, how do, we, how do we come to grips with our own fear and just let Christ run with this? So, uh, you know, already we've had an opportunity to kind of practice uh, some of the things that we're preaching right now, um, at least even as a family. Now we too are kind of sorting through and waiting on word on schools, um, uh, but uh, and we're trying to make some prudent decisions for us as a family um, because we know that you, we need to limit exposure as much as we're able to for the sake of all, it, whether we know that we carry this or potentially could be carrying it or who knows, it, it, it's already been here. But all I have to say is we want to be very extra cautious and loving right towards our neighbor. And so some of the opportunities we've had, and you know, I think is, is one thing is by saying we're going to say no to certain things, um, in order for the safety and health and of those whom we are closest to us and that we love. Um, you know, uh, we also want to, like, for example, when the president spoke on Wednesday night, um, I was, I was texting with my neighbor and my neighbor was, you know, telling me he'd been to Costco earlier that day and they were sold out of everything already, you know, and this is even before Thursday. So this is, I would say we were there last night or it was crazy. Yeah. And, um, and he had already been at, at our local Costco, um, that even before the president spoke and said, it was crazy. It was completely, I mean, there's so many things gone already. Um, and then, uh, so we were chatting and then, uh, next thing you know, I mean, it's like late at night, I'm texting some other people. We're having some conversations, which we're talking about our church community, trying to figure out how we're going to, you know, what we're going to be doing, um, meeting wise, if we still want to get everybody together or not in a room or how we want to respond as well. You know, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm kind of looking at it from a care perspective, like, okay, who are the people that I know that need to be cared for? I'm talking to my sister, who's a single mom. I'm talking to um, my parents. I'm talking to, um, you know, uh, you know, some, some elderly folks that we know. And my neighbor calls and, you know, he's, he's a young guy. Him and his wife are young. They've got a, a young daughter. And he goes, hey, can my wife call? She's got some questions. And so she gets on the phone with me. And it's 11 o'clock at night and we're talking and, you know, and she's just, she's, she's nervous. She's upset. She's, she's uh, afraid, you know, and we just really had this great conversation just being able to encourage and say, we're, we're going to be fine. We gotta, we gotta have to adjust our, our lives a little bit, but this is the real work of ministry. This is, this is the real work of what it means to stand firm. 
my wife just last night was having the same conversation over, um, you know, Facebook and messenger and, uh, with, with another woman and, and who is, um, about the same age as we are again and has kids. And she's also, um, just been very, like a lot of anxiety. Her husband works at a hospital that has a, like two confirmed cases, um, mm. of coronavirus in our, um, in our community or in our area already. And uh, he's a hospital, he works there in the hospital. And of course she's very nervous. And so, you know, we're just having these great opportunities to build and encourage, support, pray with, and be light. And, um, and, and people are recognizing that and they're seeing that. And these are the opportunities for us to, to show the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And we don't have to preach at them. We don't have to say, you know, the, the things that we've been told to say, but rather this is what we've been equipped for. This is what we are made to do. And these are our moments. And will we rise to the moment um, is my question for us as the church. Hmm. And this is always that classic, uh, do you, you know, are you going to use this as an opportunity to turn it into a gospel conversation, like to shoehorn this and be like, but by the way, Jesus, um, or kind of one of those things uh, to work diligently uh, in the name of Christ and allow other people to ask, you know, what makes this difference? What, what, why are you doing this? Um, why are you so calm right now? Um, trying to walk that line. You know? Well, and, and you said it earlier, Andrew, and Michael says this quite a bit, and we, we have this discussion about it, where's our, the version of discipleship. Is this obedient-level discipleship, or is it obedient-based, or is this identity-based discipleship? And we are very much proponents here at Ephesiology is that we're proponents of the identity-based discipleship. This is who I am. This is who we are as Christ followers. This is the level that we go to for one another, even if at great personal sacrifice. And even understanding that we too may suffer with others in this journey, but we don't do it. Um, we're not negligent, but we're also, we're prudent in how we approach and how we operate in this world. But we are also those who are willing to say, no, this thing, this matters. And we want to be out there on the front lines with people, uh, joining them in their battle. Man, this is definitely, this is going to be a big change. Uh, I, I, my heart hurts for those churches that have Mm. so much made their ministry only Sunday morning. I mean, nobody is actually going to say their ministry is only Sunday morning. And, and we also know even for the big ones that have the big shiny Sunday morning ministries that we might snicker and talk about when we are off mic, um, Forgive us, Lord. Uh, but um, they do have ministries that exist outside of that, and they are discipling people. But this is going to be, unfortunately, a game changer for a lot of churches that need that Sunday morning presence and are financially impacted in a huge way. So, you know, some of the things, so, I, you know, I teach in higher education um, as, a, as an adjunct. Uh, our institution has not made the call yet as to what they plan to do, but many education institutions have made calls to cancel, to delay, uh, extend spring break. Uh, and some of them are even can have moved to strictly being online. And I think this is going to be, we're going to look back on history and we're going to say, this is a huge disruptive moment um, yeah. in higher education where the move has already been moving into online education that I would not be surprised that when we come out of this going into the fall, that some of these schools that went to exclusively online education, they're literally going to find themselves 
um, perhaps finding that being the majority of their school population rather than the minority. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and then on top of that, what will this mean for the church? And what opportunities are we going to lean into this week and over the next month that may be already there that we have yet to actually fully embrace and accept and um, perhaps even the, face the realities of just people dynamics and disease and, um, and any other thing that may, we may deal with in, the, in this world and yet not lose our hope, not lose our focus, not lose the mission of what it means to reconcile and to restore all things under Christ. I may not be elderly in my age, but sometimes I do act like a cranky curmudgeon uh, who's set in his ways. And um, I know that this is going to cause me a great deal of challenge because I don't just prefer face-to-face meeting. I think that God has designed our bodies and our entire essences uh, to be in contact with one another and to be in close proximity for ministry, uh, for the communication of love for so much. Um, and not to be gross, but like touch is a, is a, is a needed part of communication of love from friends, from family. And, um, and so I, I would hate for all of us to take that pendulum swing all the way over to the digital world and say, you know what? The gamers were right. Life does live online. We don't need each other. And I, Avatar, I, all the way. I would, I would say, I really don't think that's what's going to happen here. I, I know no. that's not what's going to happen here. No. Um, but it is going to force me to embrace something that I have said because I am so, I have a proclivity to that face-to-face. I have made sure to try to gear ministry to do that. And I probably haven't leaned into another aspect of valid ministry, which is this online component. And uh, we're about to get thrown into it, whether I like it or not. So uh, a couple of things on this. Uh, one, if you have not had a chance to listen to episode 38, Michael is doing, uh, Michael and I spend um, you know, almost an hour on that podcast uh, discussing about what we have been doing at Restoration Church and how we had actually already been bridging into this area. For something like this, because we're a smaller church community, um, we are in a house church format, but we had done already exploring and innovating a lot in the digital space. This is a blip for us. I mean, this is nothing. I mean, we, we literally, like, I am not concerned about how we're going to fit, you know, or figure out how we're going to meet. At mm-hmm. all. I mean, there is no question in my mind as to what we do next. I'm not losing sleep over it. I'm not, I don't have to spend hours on strategizing this because we, we're reinventing our model already. I don't say that to you as, as, as a place of, of, um, of pride, but rather as a place of encouragement by just simply saying there are other methods and, and ideas. Mm-hmm. And especially in this week as churches, as you are thinking about and leaders, as you're thinking about how to do this and how to move forward, I just might encourage you to go back and listen to episode 38 later uh, today. And uh, just it, maybe you'll find some encouragement there. And if anything, some ideas for you in your church. Um, also, Andrew, you wrote a blog on this. Are you are you doing like a live blog update through at Neartown Church about some of the adjustments that you're making? Well, I think so. I threw a blog up uh, at the behest of my friend Russell um, because last year we we kind of had to slog through how do we go online streaming our service, and uh, I kind of had to do trial by fire, um, thinking this is the way to do it. I'm gonna this one person said, this is what I needed to do. So I'll do it. And then it worked horribly for us. And so 
um, kind of putting some of my learnings about how do you go, how do you stream a Sunday service? How do you move what you're wanting to do online? So if you go to our website, just neartownchurch.org, um, it is the only blog in the blog section that I had to create a blog section to our website <laughs> just so we could place this there. For such um, a time as this. For such a time as this, blog dash one, <laughs> I think is it's at the end of the URL. Um, but um, it's, it's technical and I tried to make it quick. Um, so it's not, I, I try not to waste anybody's time, but just get in, get out. But if you, and your church have said, okay, well, we're going to have to go online either this Sunday or the next. There are some ideas on how to do that. Uh, Matt and I, for those who don't know, Matt and I are recording this podcast um, over Zoom. Uh, Zoom is uh, a platform that allows both video and audio conferencing. And uh, I know that a lot of churches are going to move kind of what they do um, as far as any groups that meet. There's lots of Zoom chatter. How do we have our life groups, small groups, house churches, um, loop groups? That's what we call ours. How do we do that um, in a, in a all together sort of way? So lots of people are saying go to Zoom. And that's actually what we're, that's our strategy is uh, we, uh, Zoom actually, for those who don't know, um, allows um, you can do, they have a free account. You can do up to about a hundred people simultaneously for free for a limited of like 40 minutes. If you pay just $15 a month, you can do unlimited time on that for up to a hundred people. If you need more than a hundred people simultaneously on, then they have other packages available to you as your church. But for 15 bucks a month, all you need is a single, uh, single uh, account. And you can literally have that one individual start a meeting and you could text them a link. You can email them the link. You could Facebook them the link. You can send it to them. And they just have to download a simple app, whether it be on their smartphone, their tablet, or their uh, laptop PC. And simply, they can, as long as they've got a webcam, or even if they don't even have that access to webcam, they That's actually, right. you can actually send them a phone number to call. And there's an 800-line phone number that they can call and listen in. Um, on this. So they don't even need access to a webcam or computer. As long as they've got a telephone, they can be able to get in and you can get a hundred people simultaneously listening in. You can mute all everybody or you can allow them to have chatter. Um, and, uh, and you get for 15 bucks for the, it's an unlimited period of time. So if you are going to be doing like a, a house gathering or a prayer meeting this week or in the coming weeks, that's the way to continue to communicate as we remain kind of more segregated and a little bit more what they're now calling social distancing. And here um, too, Matt, yeah. did, you, did you read the fine print that they required us to talk about Zoom that they're going to pay us for now? Uh, no, I did, I did not. <laughs> and I, I just hope that you'll just um, – I just hope to clear that with the agent. And That's, uh, that's good. Okay. Oh, I th oh, no, we forgot. Michael's going to do that. And uh, he's, in, he's in Southeast yeah. Asia, so no one's getting paid. <laughs> How unfortunate. Uh, well, anyway, um, so the other thing too, Andrew, that you bring up here and is, is a very important thing. And that is the human touch. And that is the aspect of how do we as the community of Christ. One of the main things, what we're, what we're talking about a lot is how do we build community together? And community is also, is done in presence with one another. Um, now right now, nobody, it doesn't seem like that the country seems to be moving into a direction of what China has done and said, everyone stay home completely. We seem to be limiting to groups of, you know, 250 or less. 
And there seems to be some recommendations that we've been limiting it to beyond even less, less than that. Um, maybe in the coming weeks, uh, we don't know, uh, please listen to the reputable news sources in your community. Um, and, uh, those are people in position of authority and leadership for guidance for you and your community. However, um, there's a really great opportunity for us that we can use this technology for the human touch in other ways. And we have the ability through FaceTime, through Zoom conferencing, through Facebook Messenger, through these other kinds of means, even just a telephone call that we can call our neighbors, <laughs> call our friends, call, you know, call our church members, get the phone tree going and have conversation. And while you're at home or while you're stuck and you know, text messaging, whatever you need to do to communicate with others because loneliness and depression will be very, uh, very high over the next coming few weeks if this continues. And uh, for some people I know, churches, that's their social outlet. So mm -hmm. um, as much as we are saying, stay, maybe you, maybe you have to make that difficult decision to tell your church, we need to stay home this week and we're going to go to an online service. Your online Sunday program is not going to fit the social need even in of the introvert. And so what you need to do is find out ways of making sure that nobody is left through the cracks and we need to make sure people are being communicated with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, update here from Houston, the mayor is going to say no gatherings over 250. Um, and he is strongly encouraging churches to not gather even this week. So there it's you go. the yeah. uh, changing every hour. Um <laughs> it looks like we'll probably have to make some separate plans for this coming Sunday. Um, and that's, and that's fine. And that's fine. Um, yeah. I think this is really a good opportunity. Just like you said, like, <laughs> let's find out now how connected or disconnected your church community really is from each other. Um, because I am now thinking of all the people. So we have structured our church around a lot of these groups uh, where people in very much, similar fashion to what we hope we read in acts are actually caring for one another and, and doing the one another's uh, both for those who are in the church and then caring for those who are outside the church. And now it's going to be like, okay, well, how many people who are a part of our church are not in those groups? How many of those people are disconnected uh, from one another? You know, how much outreach are we going to need to do to kind of follow those people down and make sure that they are not isolated and, and encourage them. So, and, and it even seems, pro it, you know, you have to listen to the advice and the guidance of, of, of your uh, local officials, but it seems pretty probable that, I mean, your movement is not being inhibited. There's nothing to say that why can't somebody go visit somebody else at their That's home? right. Now, if you're somebody who's, uh, you travel a lot, you've on, been on airplanes, you've been in a, a large office building for the last week or two, you may not be the person to do that. Um, and for the, for the, especially for the sake of the elderly, um, and those who are maybe more vulnerable uh, to this disease, but you may actually have, there are other opportunities and there are other people who can certainly fill those, that gap in that role. And again, I think we need to keep having a mindset of this, that this is an opportunity. This is not something we need to respond into fear in, but rather the, this is an opportunity for the expanse of the gospel. And these are really the moments of where move, movements are made. And we see that even under great persecution from the first century church, um, even though we don't consider this persecution, this is a challenge and this is something that we can literally stand on and go, we can, we can use, this is an opportunity not to be exploited, but rather for Christ and his church to shine. Man, I really love what you said there, Matt. And I think that's really critical for us as the church, the big C church to consider in this time. 
um, before we got on, I was reading in the Psalms and uh, kind of having the prayer kind of in the land of the shoulds, I need to sit in silence before God. Mm. And uh, that's, that was a phrase that I feel the Holy Spirit was kind of, of pushing in me because frankly, all I could keep thinking about was getting on this podcast and the things that I needed to do to make sure this podcast went right or looked right. Or um, I still sound like I have a frog in my throat, but um, so that didn't get fixed. But um, in the land of the shoulds, I need to sit in silence before my savior. And in the land of the shoulds, there's going to be a lot of shoulding that we are going to be talking about. Um, And, you know, if you're the church, you should go and love your neighbor. You should go and spend time with them. You should make sure to, you know, disease be damned. I'm going to go out. And like, we all don't need to be cavalier and stupid about it. We need to think as the big C church. Maybe you aren't the person that's supposed to go out. That's great. So God has dispensed his gifts to each as he has chosen. So what is your role during this week? What is your role during this season? Uh, And if somebody else has not been traveling and they haven't been in those big office spaces, maybe this is their time to step up. Don't rob them of that and say, I'll go do it because I like to. Encourage them. Okay, this is your time. You can go out and do this. You can really step into what ministry Christ has given you. Think collectively. Don't, don't think individually. Think as a community trying to minister to others. Yeah. Amen, bro. Amen. Hey, just, uh, I want to close up shop here, but uh, I want to just read this part from, if you don't mind, uh, from my blog uh, that I posted. And I just want to encourage you to, uh, for those who are listening, um, to, to, if you haven't had a chance to read it already, I'd encourage you to do so. And, and please share it with others if you find it to be helpful and inspiring to you and to your church. Um, uh, but here, uh, here's just a little, uh, little, little uh, I would just say uh, excerpt. This is not alarmist thinking. This is looking reality in the face by standing where light meets darkness. This is the moment where the church is made to shine. This is the moment where you have prepared for. This is what your pastor, minister, and Bible study leader has educated you for. Your training is over. Your time in the classroom has come to an end. Graduation day is here. Church, this is our moment. Mm. You can get the whole thing uh, available uh, on our blog at physiology.com. You can also find it on my personal blog at matthewtill.com. That's two T's, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-T-I-L-L.com. Or again, at physiology.com. It's also available uh, linked on our Facebook page. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for this time and uh, keep you and your family safe and healthy. Uh, we're praying for you and praying for Michael. Michael's traveling. Um, he's uh, actually training and, and teaching pastors on the other side of the world right now. And we were on the phone with him briefly before we started recording. And he, uh, too, they are dealing with um, this pandemic where he is as well, too. And so they are uh, keeping themselves safe and just be praying for Michael and his safe return back to the United States. Uh, when he is uh, scheduled to return. And we look forward to continuing our conversations. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to talk about, a lot more to share in the coming weeks. And we want to keep you, our listeners, especially as you might even find yourself uh, at a slower pace in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll try to keep you updated and try to continue the conversation. And we love doing theology and community with you. So uh, for Andrew, myself, and Michael, who is absent with us, uh, thanks for listening. And as always, continue to dialogue and connect with us at physiology.com.